0: what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. 9:30 a.m. <clears throat> Central Daylight Time, April 29th, 2019. This is episode 89 of Bitcoin and <laughs> coming up on 100. Wow. Not bad. Not bad. So, um, we'll do the, you will, we'll do the usual fair today. We'll do vitals and, uh, Marty's been morning round, up, you know, the, the, this this, this standard fare. However, what is not standard is I get this feeling that things are just different now somehow we're entering into this new, it's like a, uh, when you go on a cruise or if you're in the Navy or something like that and you're on a ship and you do what's called a sea change where you, like you go from like the Indian ocean to, you know, the Pacific ocean or, you know, the Atlantic into like a, you know, around, you know, one of the capes, either Cape, Cape of good hope or whatever. And you get into like a completely dis- different ocean. Sailors will just kind of tell you that they can just, tell the sea change. It's just, there's a, you know, there's a different air. There's things are just different. And I think, uh, I think things are different for all of us because of so many things that have happened over the last, uh, you know, coming being in the bear market for this long, this is my first bear market. And apparently it's like a really long, 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 long bear market. Um, and, uh, you know, coming out of this thing is uh, being peppered by all kinds of just weird shit. And we're going to talk about some of that today. But um, I just feel like I'm a, you know, kind of like a stranger in a strange land. It's that it's just weird. So let's start with Stephen, uh, Stephen DePauly. He's got a tweet, new federal class action lawsuit in Washington state. Seeks the return of twenty-five million dollars on a joint and several basis against all defendants, arising out of, <clears throat> arising out of autonomy token sale, alleging it was an unregistered securities offering. Well, hell, so <laughs> was Ether and uh, EOS. I, you know, I guess, you know, and I've said this before on several several occasions. The altcoin market is like the lowest hanging fruit for United States security regulators. And which is one of the reasons why I kind of hope they don't all go away just yet, because they need to act as shielding for Bitcoin, the actual Bitcoin. And so while regulators are spinning their gears, uh, getting at this low hanging fruit and they will get the low hanging fruit because if if it looks like an unregistered security, smells like an unregistered security, and acts like an unregistered security is probably an unregistered security. And as much as we all, at one point or another, do believe that every you know a lot of this stuff should just be hands off, I am not crying because of this. I mean, I'm not a bag holder of autonomy because I don't deal in shit coins. And one of the reasons I don't deal in shit coins is because of this shit right here in the United States District Court. For the Western District of Washington, Chris Hunnichin, individually and on behalf of others, similarly situated plaintiff versus Autonomy LLC, a Delaware LLC, Century Technology Incorporated, a Delaware corporation, Vaughn Emery, David F- Fragale, Rob Strickland, Kyle Strickland, Don DeLoach, Wayne Weishart, Woody Benson, Michael Mackey, James Salter, and Louis Harris, defendants, class action complaint, jury demand. This is why I don't deal in shit coins, people. Because you never know when this crap is gonna is, is going to drop off the tree. So let's get into a little bit of the of this uh, court filing. If, if you guys want to know, uh, it is number two colon one nine hyphen CV hyphen zero zero six one five. That's the complaint filing number. So you can find it a uh, plaintiff individually and on behalf of all others similarly situated alleges the following based upon personal knowledge as a plaintiff and plaintiff's own acts and upon information and belief as to all other allegations based on investigation of counsel This investigation included, inter alia, a review of public statements and disclosure materials prepared by defendants, media reports, interviews, social media, and other information concerning defendants. The investigation of the facts pertaining to this case is continuing. Plaintiffs believe that substantial evidentiary support will exist for the allegations set forth herein after a reasonable opportunity for discovery. (laughs) Jesus, God. Okay, so the suit seeks the return of approximately $25 million U.S. together with statutory interest and attorney's fees, which defendants procured from investors through the sale of unregistered securities in violation of the Washington Securities Act, Chapter 21.20 RCW, the act. The act... Forbids the sale of unregistered securities and allows purchasers of unregistered securities to assert joint and several liability against anyone whose acts were substantial containing contributing factors in the sales transaction. And it goes through a whole bunch of other stuff, but here's where the meat is. The ICO resulted in the sale of approximately $25 million in unregistered securities and therefore every defendant is jointly and severally liable for $25 million in refunded sales proceeds together with 8% interest dating from the spring 2018 sale and attorney's fees that 25 million is going to be a lot more than 25 million and you know you know they they've spent it uh, there's uh, your money's gone people i'm sorry but your money's gone i doubt you're going to get anything back even if they were to liquidate all their homes and all their cars and all their boats and jet skis and i don't know uh, uh havana dance teams I, I whatever i mean it's just it, it it's a shit show and this is why you know smart money doesn't get into these things man because even if even if they were able to get a fraction of the money back it's going to take a long time because the court system in the United States is just slow it's it's really slow and it, and the attorney's fees are just going to eat up everything so don't get into shit coinery, people. And this is why. This is yet another example why you don't do this. It's throwing your money away, or lighting it on fire, or giving—I don't know, whatever. Just don't go. Don't get into shit coinery. Um, <clears throat> on on the same shit coin bent, we've got Marty Bent, who has a tweet says, "Hey, at Malgorithms, it's really sad to see the keybase team ruin." An awesome product with an unnecessary shit coin, fudding proof of work on top of it makes you look extremely foolish. Was the stellar money worth it? And he's got a screenshot and it says, uh, and this is the key. And okay, so this is Keybase. And uh, if you don't know what Keybase is, just go Google Keybase. Uh, I've been on it for, I don't know, f- years, really. Um, I don't use it that much because. Most of the people that that I I know or, or have met in in the Bitcoin you know universe is usually on Twitter. Sometimes they have a Discord channel like Ansel Linder and sometimes they've got a Telegram uh group and we'll get into one of my favorite telegram groups, but that's all up in the stack. So it's it's end-to-end encryption of being able to send people messages. It, I mean, it's not just that, it's actually a whole bunch of other stuff. It's got like its own uh, Git like repository, like GitHub, and you can share files and it's all encrypted. And I mean, it's, it's, it's slick. And I, I really enjoyed, you know, getting on there at first, but it just, I, I just, I just don't use it. And I'm probably going to just delete my, uh, my information off of it altogether. Um, if that's hopefully that's possible because of, because of shit coinery. All right now we knew i mean marty's if he's just finding out about the stellar thing um now that he's a little bit late because they they did the whole stellar lumens launch when they added a wallet and i can't remember i think it was last year or something a whole bunch of people got real happy about it all of us you know bitcoiners were just like god just use bitcoin why are you using this 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 crap well it 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 it's worth reiterating Okay, so even if Marty's a little bit late, it's, it's still worth reiterating so that, that, that anybody else who missed this can re- respond to Keybase accordingly. So Marty's got a screenshot up here that says, almost done. It's important you read this. And there's a set of bullet points. We can help you send and receive crypto just by knowing usernames. You can say goodbye to ugly addresses you have to pass around insecurely. And we believe Stellar is in a unique position as always a unique position to solve payments because it's ultra fast and ultra cheap it it natively understands currencies and tokens whatever the hell that means the network itself has a decentralized exchange built into it it doesn't burn more electricity than small nations we're done here we're done here um, if if I have any listeners uh, that are going to plan on getting on Keybase and you know getting like using it to get in touch with me, you know, don't get in touch with me on Twitter at b e n n d seven seven. That is at b e n n d seven seven because I am going to get rid of Keybase because of this. I had forgotten all about this crap, but the addition of the flooding proof of work, like Marty says, is just. That's it. That's the last straw. Can't take it anymore. So I'm saying goodbye to Keybase, probably right after this. Uh I get the show uploaded. Oh man, we lost one of our friends. Ah, oh, God. Former CFTC commissioner and Bitcoin advocate Bart Chilton passes away at the age of 58. This is uh the block crypto April 29th. That was this morning. Um Bart Chilton, the former commissioner of the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission, has died at age 58 due to a sudden illness. Between 2007 and 2014, Chilton headed the CFTC's Energy and Environmental Advisory Committee and the Global Markets Advisory Committee. Following his departure from the CFTC, he became a senior advisor at a law firm, DLA Piper. He also hosted uh, Russia Today's financial show, Boom Bust. Chilton was also curious and at times supportive of cryptocurrencies. He believed crypto assets were not a scam or fraud, saying there was legitimacy behind Bitcoin. In his Forbes article published earlier this year, he discussed the good, bad, and ugly of cryptocurrencies. He claimed the 80% price plummet we saw from December 2017 was a positive thing. Yeah, it was a blow off top. You needed to like let the air out of the tires, otherwise it would just burn itself up and up on reentry. So we 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 say goodbye to you know one guy who got it, and every time we lose somebody who gets it, it's a loss to all of us. So you know, rip Bart Chilton. Uh, was Iran <clears throat> Iran's first ever Bitcoin ATM unveiled in Tehran? This is from Landon Manning, April 26, 2019. And let's get into this. On April the 24th, 2019, the first Bitcoin ATM of the Islamic Republic of Iran was revealed at the 12th International Exhibition of Exchange, Bank, and Insurance in Tehran. Footage of the event was captured by a film crew working for German news agency Ruply, a part of Russia Today's greater media network, intrigued Crowds were seen lining up to see the functionality of this machine, which was emblazoned with the message that the BTM was itself made in Iran, not wheeled into the conference from some <laughs> overseas source. Rupley also interviewed both the demonstration's par- presenters and random users on the experience. Quote, I was happy as a person who has Bitcoin when I used it, said Iranian citizen El Rahim. I needed cash in real and took me, and it took me less than three minutes, and I was very satisfied. I hope that we will be able to circumvent sanctions by it. Oh, uh, here comes the FUD. <clears throat> Indeed, Iranian citizens have already seen the possible use cases of Bitcoin to circumvent international sanctions. In December 2018, Iranian citizens studying abroad in the United Kingdom found themselves relying on Bitcoin to pay their tuition after recently imposed sanctions made it otherwise impossible. The possibility of using Bitcoin in this way is especially especially salient for Iranians <clears throat> as punitive sanctions have been pushing Iran's energy sector to the limit. With summertime heat waves pushing temperatures above a whopping 127 degrees Fahrenheit. God, and I thought I had it bad here. Whew, ways of circumventing these measures are becoming an especially important consideration as energy costs continue to increase when Bitcoin magazine helped to pass the lightning torch via Welsh Bitcoiner. And I love this guy, but uh, I am never going to be able to pronounce Welsh. I mean, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. And I'm pretty, you know, it's like, and, and, I, like I said, I love this guy, but I, I need to learn how to pronounce that name because I, I, I'm going to have to ask him on Twitter. Anyway, he said uh, via Welsh Bitcoiner, uh, Welsh Bitcoin name, to an Iranian user in March sanctions were a recurring point of concern with torch recipient Isaiah Soder calling Bitcoin a safe haven. Yeah, we saw it melt borders like a son of a bitch, didn't we? April 2019 has seen Iran become a major area of interest for Bitcoin miners from China. Although mining firms have found it difficult to get the necessary equipment into the country, they have nevertheless reported that the government is willing to offer lucrative deals on electricity costs in exchange for long-term investment in the nation's power plants. Interesting. With over 220 companies participating, the Tehran Times called the exposition the most significant event in domestic capital market, banking, and insurance sectors, especially considering how nearly 70% of the nation's 81 million inhabitants are now Internet users. Yeah, let that sink in. So say what you want about Iran, but they are, well, they're... They're becoming adopters. So there it is. Uh, Everybody's talking about it. So I might as well talk about it too. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover planning to allow helpful car drivers earn cryptocurrency by Gertrude Chavez Dreyfus. From Reuters. And yeah, this is Reuters.com. Jaguar Land Rover, Britain's largest uh, auto manufacturer, said on Monday, it is testing software that will allow drivers of its cars to earn the Wait for it. Iota cryptocurrency as a reward for sharing data. And fitting, fitting that a shit coin would be the currency of choice to destroy your privacy. Let that one sink in. God, do we have to do this? It's short, so yeah, I guess so. The company is developing what it calls a smart wallet technology. (laughs) Someone help. Send help. Send help immediately Uh, to be installed in its automobiles. This would reward Jaguar car drivers with IOTA coins for actions such as enabling their vehicles to automatically report useful data, such as traffic congestion or potholes to navigation providers or local authorities. I'm going to stop right there because your, your, our iPhones already do that. Our iPhones are already doing that. You don't need this in a car. You've got your iPhone in a car and a Samsung and all of these things do that. When you get on Google Maps and when you're in the car and you look at the highways and you see the the green, yellow and red uh, parts of highways and uh, interstates and whatnot. Yeah, that it's not like there's it's not like there's a roving network of cameras flying over, you know, tallying how many cars are going, what speed you don't need that. All the sensor gear that is required to do that is in the damn iPhone. So this is a complete waste of time already. All, paragraph two is already a waste of time. Drivers could also earn rewards if the car participates in a ride sharing program, Jaguar said. The tokens earned, <clears throat> earned could be used to pay for tolls, parking, and charging for electric cars. The overall goal was to achieve zero emissions, zero accidents, and zero congestion, the company said. Global car companies are exploring blockchain applications, figuring out different ways in which they can leverage the technology to suit their different needs. Blockchain. The system powering cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, it hurts to read, is a shared database that is maintained by a network of computers connected to the internet. The British car company is testing the technology at the new Jaguar Land Rover software engineering base in Shannon, Ireland where engineers have already equipped uh, several vehicles, including the Jaguar F-Pace and Range Rover Velar, with smart wallet features, the company said. It does not yet have a timetable for when it will be commercially available, said Jaguar, a uh, subsidiary of Tata Motors. The IOTA token is based on a distributed ledger technology that enables people and machines to transfer money and data without any transaction fees. Yeah, not yet. IOTA trades on digital asset exchanges that was that was last at 27 U.S. cents per token. The smart wallet technology can, easily, can be easily adapted into all new vehicles, Dominique Schneider, IOTA co-founder and co-chairman of its board, told Reuters on Friday. IOTA wants to enable interoperability with all these different players. So there is no Jaguar coin, no BMW coin, but one universal token for this machine economy. Oh, stuff it, dude. No internet of things token is about as helpful as the internet of things itself because the internet of things is just while it will probably happen it will not happen in the way that in a way that's going to be directed all all internet of things that can come out of internet of things that is directed by the human desire for whatever it is that we desire is, is not going to survive the actual creature that comes up out of this thing organically. So, to me, all of this is a complete waste of time. It's a complete misallocation of resources. It's too bad that Jaguar investors are going to see, you know, like they won't get as much on their share price because, the good people at Jaguar or Tata Motors decided that they were going to take the money and put it in a brown paper bag, pour diesel on it, light it on fire and throw it out of a window. So there's, there's that one. Where are we now? Looks like, uh another dark net market market era is coming to an end. And let's see. Oh, somehow or another, I didn't get that one up. <clears throat> This is from Aaron Von Weirdem, one of the better or actually one of the one of the best writers in the, in the space as of April 26 for Bitcoin magazine. Major darknet markets come and go in eras, so it seems, and the current one may be ending. Two of the biggest digital black markets seem to be disappearing, both disappearing both at the same time. While it is notoriously hard to find reliable information about the status of these highly illegal endeavors, messages on darknet specific forums like Dread and reports by darknet focused news sites like Deep Dot Deep Dot Web indicate that digital black markets dream. Market and Wall Street market have both become unusable. Hmm. The former has halted trading altogether, while the latter appears to be confiscating user funds. Exit scam. Wow, nice. Darknet Markets, the online marketplace for illicit goods and services that operate on hidden services and use Bitcoin and sometimes altcoins, for payments have been around in their current form since 2011 when Ross Olbert founded Silk Road. Over the years, many markets have come and gone and it appears that the days of the current market leaders are now coming to an end as well. Dream Market, the oldest operating and possibly biggest market on the dark web in recent years was the first to show signs of trouble. According to deep.web, the marketplace was initially hard to reach most likely due to ongoing distributed denial of service attacks on the website. The attacks appeared to exploit a weakness in the anonymizing Tor browser, which made the cost of such an attack relatively low. While it is not certain who is behind the attacks, the report, based on comments by pseudonymous Dreadform operator Hugbunter, <laughs> suggests that it was part of an extortion effort. The attacker seems to have demanded that the pseudonymous operator of Dream Market, Sideste- Speedstepper, pay to make the attack stop. Quote, in one comment about a separate attack against Dread, Hugbunter wrote that the entity behind the Dream Market attack had launched the attack in an attempt to extort the Dream Market administrator for $400,000 USD. Deep.Web reports, noting that Speedstepper refused to pay. Others have suggested that law enforcement officials or a competing darknet market may have been responsible for the attacks, but this is just speculation at this point. For the past month, after about seven weeks of ongoing denial of service attacks, trading on Dream Market has been halted altogether. According to Deep.Web, <clears throat> quoting a Dream Market staff member, the DDoS attacks have become too big of a problem for the operator of the website. That's a shame. Users who logged into the marketplace were instead greeted with a message claiming the Dartmouth net market was closing. Quote, this market is shutting down On April 30th, 2019, and is transferring its services to a partner company, Onion address, and then gives the Onion address. Uh, Besides the somewhat mysterious message, not much is clear about Dream Market's future. It's unknown which partner company the message refers to or to what extent the current version of Dream, uh, Dream Market will still be in use. Reports by deep.web, once again, based on comments by Dread Forum operator Hugbunter, suggest the market may just be rebranding, but details are unclear. Speedstepper has not publicly commented on the issue. Even with trading halted, Dream Market users, while unable to trade on the website or make deposits, do appear to have been able to withdraw funds from their accounts. And it kind of goes on goes on from there, but that's that's the meat and potatoes of that particular one. Oh, and uh, elliptic. Yeah, this is going around in the circles on, on Bitcoin Twitter today, too. Um your uh, elliptic.co is has a uh article out there called Cracking the Code, Tracing the Bitcoins from a Hamas terrorist fundraising campaign. Ugh. Love of God. Okay, so terrorist... Who? Oh, wait, well, i got to give credit where credit is due. This is Heidi Wilder, April 26, 2019 for Elliptic. And it's writing, Their global reach and perceived anonymity make them an attractive mechanism for receiving donations to the cause. This is a trend that has not escaped the attention of regulators and the Financial Action Task Force, is currently working to provide guidance to ensure that crypto is less vulnerable to terrorist financing. This is a terribly written. It's already bad. In January of this year, the Al Qassam Brigades, the military wing of Hamas, began such a fundraising campaign. This group is a designated terrorist organism or <laughs> organism organization by many countries, including the United States, Israel, and the European Union. They began the campaign by requesting that funds be sent to the static donation address. Let that sink in. Static donation address listed on their website. Approximately $4,000 U.S. worth of cryptocurrency donations were received. More recently, they launched a new fundraising website that generated unique donation addresses for each visitor. This is a technique commonly seen with ransomware and makes it more challenging for outside observers to monitor donations and trace where they are sent. What's not said in that sentence is trace where they came from and where those coins came from and where those coins came from and on and on and on and on. However, Elliptic has now successfully identified a set of addresses used to receive donations in this campaign. This involved network analysis of transactions associated with previous campaigns by the same actor. These addresses have received over $3,000 worth of Bitcoin in donations over the past few weeks. We have also traced where the money came from and what the Al Qassam Brigades did with these donations. The majority of the donation donated Bitcoins came from a single major cryptocurrency exchange. These donations were then swept up by Al Qassam Brigades and sent to another exchange based in a country without strong AML controls, perhaps to be cashed out for fiat currency, the account receiving these funds have also received over $100,000 in cryptocurrency from other sources. Uh, Cryptocurrency businesses worldwide rely on our product to identify whether transactions are linked to illicit actors, such as terrorist organizations. By quickly identifying these addresses, we ensure that our clients are always aware of such links and that we can meet their anti-money laundering and counter countering terrorist financing obligations I'm just going to stop because this is all bullshit. I mean, it's probably true, but in in so far that Al qassam Brigade or whatever is taking cryptocurrency. But here's the thing: it's it's this problem. It what's problematic about this whole thing is where it says, where it talks about the static versus static address versus uh, having a bunch of different addresses. The way that they make it sound is that if you're using a different address for every single transaction that you make, uh, or not not make, but like every time that you say, "Hey, give me money," and use use an address, and then the second that that address gets used, you burn that sweep coins or or you know. Keep. I mean, it's all. It's all. It's all in your private keys. So it doesn't really matter. You just disregard it, and then the next time that you uh, request money, you use a, a different address, and a different address, and a different address, and you keep on doing that because that is actually best practices. Having a single static, uh, static address or a public uh, static address is just, is just dumb. It's unnecessary. But the way these people make it sound is that oh, if you do that. You're like a terrorist. No, I'm not. I'm not like a terrorist. I'm actually, actually, uh, uh, conducting operational security in, in in a style of best practices. This is just the way this shit is done. So the ignorance, uh, fear, and and just the the leveraging of downright stupid is a tactic that uh, you know. Businesses, news organizations, media outlets, whatever, they've been using this shit for decades. And it, it's like an old playbook. Don't buy into it. Don't think of yourself as a terrorist if you use rotating addresses. Please do. Because this is, it's just operational security, and it's just the best way to keep your shit straight. So, um, oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to take a break from the morning roundup to uh, – shill a telegram group. Now, this is what I was sort of uh, alluding to in the the intro. Hashtag Bitcoin Plebs has a telegram group now called Watton, otherwise known as Bitcoin Weaponized Autistic Troll Network. (laughs) So the address for the telegram group, if you want to join, and it's got, I mean, Stephen Lavera came in. And as, as far as I know, he's actually active on there maybe right now. Although it is, it should, he should have gone to bed if he's in Australia. Um, let's see. Uh, no, as of 7 AM, my time central daylight time, he was, uh, he was tweeting. So it's got already got 101 members and this thing was just cranked up like over the weekend uh, on a whim. It was awesome to watch. So, um, Anyway, okay, so the link, t.me forward slash BitcoinPlebs, all one word, B-I-T-C-O-I-N-P-L-E-B-S. So go check out the Bitcoin Plebs network and see what's going on in there. Uh, get yourself weaponized, people. Might as well get yourself weaponized. So on with the rest of the morning roundup, scams in Australia, speaking of Australia. Um Australian crypto scam reports rose almost 200% in 2018. This is from one of my favorite authors in the space, uh, Yogita Katri. Australia saw a surge of reports and sc- of scams uh, involving cryptocurrencies last year, according to the country's consumer watchdog, In 674 cases, victims reported to the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission and other government agencies that cryptocurrency had been used to pay scammers in 2018 with reported losses of $6.1 million Australian or $4.3 million U.S. The ACCC said in its 10th annual targeting scams report on Monday, the figure is 190% higher than the reported $2.1 Australian dollars lost to crypto scams in 2017. Online scammers generally trick consumers into buying various cryptocurrencies through fake platforms, yeah, like Bitcoin.com. But when consumers tried to cash out their investments, scammers, quote, made excuses or were no longer contactable, according to the report. Some investment scams also asked victims to pay in cryptocurrency for Forex trading, commodity trading, or other investment opportunities. The ACCC said, in 2018, victims of investment scams reported losing $2.6 million Australian dollars in cryptocurrencies. In some cases, scammers also reportedly asked victims to visit Bitcoin ATMs to convert fiat into cryptocurrency and then transfer it to them. <laughs> Don't do that, people. <laughs> Jesus God, he's terrible. OPSEC. God. Um, of the total 674 cryptocurrency scams reported last year, almost half were made by men between the ages of 25 and 34, the commission said. Is that, does that even tell us anything at this point? I'm just getting, I'm getting sick of the, of the, uh, of these metrics because to me, I'm like going, who cares? Whatever, it would. Yeah. In a separate statement, ACCC Deputy Chair Delia Rickard said that the total combined losses, fiat and cryptocurrency, reported to the ACCC's ScamWatch program and other government agencies were higher than $489 million Australian dollars. That's uh, $149 million Australian dollars more than in 2017, Rickard added and these record losses are likely just the tip of the iceberg. We know that not everyone who suffers a loss to a scammer reports it to a government agency. Boy, ain't that no lie. So be careful out there people. Scams are everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Uh China China <clears throat> This is this is just chilling. Okay, th- this is next this is next level type Bullshit right here. This is getting so close to minority report that it scares the living piss out of me. Chinese debtors shamed with broadcast of names and faces on giant screens <clears throat> on May 1st holiday. Jeez God on dude. This is from uh South China Morning Post, Keegan Elmer. Uh, and this is this is actually from the 4th of May in 2018. But again, it's one of those things where it's, it's good to kind of remember, like, what are they going to do during this May? Is it going to, I mean, are they going to do the same, are they going to pull the same crap on their citizenry and just like, you know, shame them into the floor? So lest we not forget, um, it so happened that. The local courts in eastern China's Anui province took advantage of heavy traffic during the May 1st holiday to shame debtors by displaying their faces and personal information on billboards and televisions in public areas. The Shushan District Court in Hefei broadcast the photograph, name, identity number, amount owed, and other information for each culprit on giant screens for 11 hours a day. At public squares during peak travel times, Heffy Evening News reported on Wednesday, public shaming is an increasingly common punishment for those who refuse to pay debts and courts have used a range of methods from blacklisting to public exposure to act as a warning to citizens. They owed amounts ranging from as little as several thousand won or a few hundred bucks to over 15 million won or 2.36 million. Heffy's... Yahai Dr- District Court broadcast the information of 110 people on advertisement screens at more than 300 bus stops around the city of Hefei, Hefei Rail- Railway transport Court, transport Court, responsible for handling transport. Related legal disputes went a step further on the May 1st holiday with broadcast at 15 railway stations pro, stations province-wide of debtors' names and information. The first such use of screens at station across an entire province. The actions are an extension of a national campaign launched last year to step up punishment of laulai, or deadbeat borrowers. Authorities vowed to collect the personal information of debtors and publish it in public places such as newspapers, train stations, and other high-visibility platforms. The Supreme People's Court reported in January that by the end of 2017, it had publicly listed the names of nearly 10 million people. 10 million Chinese citizens had their names, faces, and, uh, lack of a better term, social security numbers posted in public. 10 million. God, they had been blacklisted from various activities with 9.36 million of them prohibited from buying plane tickets and 3.67 million from buying high speed rail tickets. <sighs> Better news is on the horizon, though. Coinspeaker.com has, Agnes Water becomes the first digital currency town in Australia. Now, this is from back in February the 19th. I just found out about it, and so I figured I'd go ahead and and read about it uh, here for the morning roundup. Um, Agnes Water, a coastal town and a famous travel destination located in Queensland, Australia, has announced it is now the first digital currency town in the country. The goal is to attract more international investors to the region to drive the growth of the tourism sector. The town with around 2,000 residents is now welcoming uh, new travelers with a billboard which reads, Welcome to Agnes Water 1770, Australia's first digital currency town. Over 30 local businesses have started to support payments in cryptocurrencies including Bitcoin, Litecoin, BCash, NIM, and Ethereum via an app developed by an Australian crypto company called Travel By Bit. The idea to bring cryptocurrency payments to Agnes Water reportedly belongs to local real estate agent Gordon Christian who first learned about the technology after a client inquired how to process a payment in Bitcoin. After he found out that several retailers at Brisbane International Airport, which is a five-hour drive from Agnes Water, started accepting payments in virtual money, he understood the initiative was worth it. <laughs> you think. I thought this is something worth having a look at, he said. We started from the ground up, shared it with a couple of businesses, and they were straight on board. I guess they were international travelers themselves and had heard of these types of payments. Initially, we had a good 10 businesses that just said, "Fine, let's go for it." According to Christian, it wasn't easy to sell the idea, which, however, has quickly spread throughout Agnes Water businesses. Shortly after the launch of cryptocurrency payments at the Brisbane Airport, he reached out to travel travel by Bit CEO Caleb Yo. Who agreed to support the initiative, quote, If you travel around the world and you have to deal with multiple currencies, the exchange rate can be confusing. Sometimes you struggle to find ATMs and sometimes you get swindled by money changers. Traveling with on global currency, sorry, traveling with global currency like Bitcoin makes sense, Yo added. That the oh sorry yo said adding that the technology will help to protect merchants from credit card fraud and make transactions more transparent and safe as Australia's first digital currency town, Agnes Water has all the potential to attract digital savvy savvy international tourists to Agnes Water rather than other mainstream destinations like Sydney or Melbourne. So yeah, apparently every business in Agnes Water accepts uh, cryptocurrency or you know some form thereof. Uh, just if you go to Agnes water, just make sure you pay in bitcoin and or or use it as a place to dump your bags. I guess would be another way to put it, although i'm I'm not really having a spec- you know a spectacular reaction to my own idea that way um so uh let's see a couple of notes here. Kyle Torpy has a tweet. Coinjoins as a percentage of all Bitcoin payments have tripled to 4.09% over the past year. So Coinjoin is uh, an an increasingly important part of the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, If you want to really dig in to what Coinjoins really are, I highly recommend you follow Matt underscore Odell. Matt Odell is part of the uh, rabbit hole roundup, which is put on by Marty bent. Um, he is probably one of the most knowledgeable people about coin joins that is, that talks in a way that doesn't sound like he's, he's, coding pascal or something like that he he is what has a way of being able to put it really really well and <clears throat> and from a, a standpoint of coin joins uh, i get pretty much all my information from matt so again it's at matt underscore odell o-d-e-l-l Jamison Lop has one he tweets which bitcoin flavor has the fastest transactions in term of thermodynamic <laughs> security Uh, Okay, so he's got a screenshot here from how many cons, or how many cons, I don't know, conf, cons, it means, it's shorthand for confirmation.com. Bitcoin has six confirmations, an estimated time of 53 minutes, 42 seconds. Because that's basically, you know, there's a block every 10 minutes. It takes six blocks to have a full confirmation, which is an arbitrary number that comes from way back in the history of Bitcoin. So Bcash, the equivalent cons, it takes 137 or one day and three hours or 31x slower. BSV takes 481 confirmations or three days and four hours or 86x slower. And somehow or another, he included Bitcoin gold. I, I forgot all about Bitcoin gold. Um, Bitcoin gold takes 2,081 confirmations over two weeks, two weeks, 400 X slower. Woo. And the last thing that I want to mention, I've got a tweet out there that has not been answered back yet, but I'm getting authentication weirdness on tipping me. It just keeps spinning in my browser, trying to authenticate and never logs in. If anybody else is having problems with that, please uh, uh, tweet at T-I-P-P-I-N underscore M-E, T-I-P-P-I-N underscore me, because uh, I don't know what the hell's going on. I've never had problems logging into tippin, uh, Tippin.me before, so I don't know what what's going on. But whatever it is. I'm sure they'll figure it out, and that's going to do it for your morning roundup. You want them? I got them. It's Vital Statistics from BitInfoCharts.com. We've got an average price of Bitcoin at 5234 52 The low is going to be over at – oh, God, this is a mess. This is a big spread. Looks like the low is going to be at GDAX, 5,159, and the high is going to be at Bitfinex at 5,416. 350,000 transactions were done over the last 24 hours, giving an average per hour of 15,000 transactions. 970,000 BTC were sent over the last 24 hours – giving us an average cent per hour of 40,500 BTC with an average transaction value of 2.83 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.017 BTC or about 86 bucks. So low AF, man, um, probably due to the Bitfinex bit thing. I don't know, you know, that that whole bit, like I was saying on, Friday's show, this Bitfinex thing, if you think it's going to wash out quickly, you think again, man. We probably just extended consolidation for weeks, and that's okay. It'll, it'll, the crap, generally speaking, just washes itself out. We don't really need to, uh, you know, gnaw on our fingernails for it. Block time is severely low at eight minutes and 37 seconds. Gee, I wonder why. I think we might have gained hash power. Oh, the fees on a per block basis is 0.37 BTC. And over the last 24 hours, 62.32 BTC have been taken in fees. And as I suspected, we are just shy of 50,000 exahashes per second on the hash rate with a 10.38% gain in hash rate over the last 24 hours. Last GitHub commit was today. Uh, Yeah, it's not surprising. From left to right, Ethereum is 154. Bcash is two hundred and forty. Litecoin is sixty-seven. BSV is fifty-two. Ethereum Classic is five point seven. Dogecoin is zero point zero zero two five. And with forty-one thousand transactions over the last twenty-four hours, it is doing four times people four times the amount of BSV, but is just under the forty-three thousand nine hundred ninety that Bcash is has committed over the last 24 hours. So there you go. And that's going to do it for your vital statistics. So during the intro, I made mention that things have kind of changed and that I feel, you know, I feel like a sea changes here. And the Bitfinex thing doesn't really help and Jaguar engaging in extreme shit coinery is doesn't help. It's not extreme, but it doesn't help. But man, I just feel like a stranger in a strange land. <laughs> The 26th, 2019 is going to be issue number 471. Bitfinex gets sued by New York. All right. What does Marty have to say about it? As I'm sure a lot of you freaks are already aware, late yesterday afternoon, the New York Attorney General's office filed a lawsuit against Bitfinex claiming that the exchange did not have access to $851 million in funds. It claimed it did. The ugly saga of Bitfinex continues to rear its head, and this time lawyers from the financial capital of the world are getting involved in true quote-unquote early days of Bitcoin fashion. There are many mysteries, shady entities, extreme negligence, and the potential of the government causing this problem in the first place in play. The crux of the issue, according to Bitfinex, is that they do not have access to the $851 million because of an entity named Crypto Capital, which custodies their funds, cannot send them the funds. Hmm. According to Crypto Capital, they cannot send the funds to Bitfinex because the funds have been seized by the U.S. and Portugal. What a shit show! All of this comes less than three years after the exchange had 119,000 BTC swiped from right under their noses, valued at around $72 million at the time and $612 million right now, a situation which forced the exchange to create a Bitfinex token dependent on the infamous stablecoin Tether. After making the victims of the hack whole, Tether has continued to be used as an unregulated stablecoin operating in a very murky legal territory. The risk of legal action against Bitfinex has been well known by anyone who has been observing the Bitfinex saga for long enough. It's no surprise to me that they have finally attracted the attention of some government entity. Low-hanging fruit people! Speaking of those stolen Bitcoins mentioned above, they moved for the first time since the hack yesterday morning. Very fishy to Uncle Marty. This stinks of an inside job perpetrated by someone in the shady web of Bitfinex and Tether. Adding to this shadiness, the court documents released last night officially revealed that Bitfinex was using bank accounts of employees' friends to transfer money to to clients' banana land. Always remember... Not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Be safe out there, freaks. You never know when an exit scam or Uncle Sam is going to happen to your preferred exchange. Okay, and in his last segment, it says, Our guy has been right before, and he's got the screenshot of BTCKing555. That is at BTCKing555. Our sources also say Bitmain is stepping away from BCH Project. It will dial down the support. McCree Zhang wants to be nowhere near this failure. Jihan is on his own now. And Marty has the short thing to say about this. He says, and if he is, again, some BCH and BSV bags are about to get a whole lot heavier. Sorry. Not sorry for your loss. Final thought: Watching the NFL draft is for losers. Oh God, God it hurts. Oh, it doesn't really matter to me. I I don't. I haven't watched the NFL in years. Enjoy your weekend, freaks. All right. So um, I had to uh, had to make this the train wreck because the exact quote or the exact tweet from BTC king 555 was going to be my daily train wreck so i figured i'd just mash them together anyway thanks uncle mart we'll see ya. we'll see you later man all right satoshi's treasure i love this thing got to love this thing so there is a guy there, uh, in, in the Satoshi treasure hunt ecosystem called a Satoshi's hunters. And his, so that would be at Satoshi's hunters, no apostrophe, all one word. And, uh, he's, uh, he or she or whoever, um, is, uh, waste deep in in the treasure hunt and has you know has some good tweets about it and stuff like that so i i thought i'd give uh, satoshi's hunter a shout out today uh, and also to shill his group uh he says hey y'all i've i created a subreddit to making it easier for people to seek groups clans for group clans seeking people or for individuals to advert their skill set to groups clans for team ups and it is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash hunters for satoshi all one word that's hunters for satoshi all one word and it's got a little bit of that it's got some activity uh but it just started so we'll we'll, we'll, you know uh, keep our keep our eye out on that one but yeah, this is becoming a thing, um, and I, I did report uh, on this on Friday, where the whole thing with Satoshi's treasure is is starting to grow organically. Uh, and I, I just I just love watching biology at work in non biological systems. It's just it's like fractal. It's almost as if there's a set of rules in the universe, and you just can't get away from them. And I'm not talking about just about gravity, right? And nobody gets away from gravity, just. If you feel the need to get away from gravity, go jump off a ten-story building and see how that works. Anyway, uh, but teams and clans and groups are being created all over the place to take part of this uh, this this epic epic treasure hunt, and it is no less than epic, right? So uh, he also has is uh, reporting on the new key that dropped yesterday called the hunted key and Satoshi's hunters says the hunted key is alive. So let's take a look at this. Um, Hold on for just a sec. Okay. So uh, the new key, uh, the hunters key or the hunted key, is it the hunted key, the hunted key uh, on Satoshi's treasure, which is Satoshi's treasure dot X, Y, Z research assistance. Sometimes in the course of a hunt, you may be called on to do a favor for the vast and mostly unseen group of people who are tasked with making sure this and future hunts are run without any issues. In this case, three members of the organization are in need of specific objects to complete a task, the nature of which you don't need to concern yourself with. Hunters are expected to be able to find anything anywhere, so we assume you'll be able to find our field agents with a simple photograph. If that's not enough, maybe you aren't cut out for the hunt. Field agents are a rule-bound bunch, however, so please make sure to observe protocol down to the letter. When you have located the field agent, approach them and ask, forward slash, excuse me, comma, were you looking for this, question mark, forward slash, and offer the object with both hands. The field agent will reward you with a unique hunt key for your troubles. Do not attempt to speak to or interact with the field agent in any other way. If you approach someone and ask them the question, and they don't seem to know what you are talking about, you can be confident that you have the wrong person. Apologize and continue to search for your target, your targets. And there are three, uh, hyperlinks, agent one, agent two and agent three. So if we click on agent one, we get a picture of sort of like a hacked in, uh, uh, wanted poster. And it's a picture of a guy. Hold on for a second. I, I know his name. Yeah. His name is Jeffrey Durand. And it says like field agent number one and it's required item, but it's, uh, written in, uh, it looks like kanji. It actually, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. I'm not trained in Japanese, Korean or Chinese. So these symbols, I, I can't tell, but I, it looks like kanji. Um, and then it says, yeah. And then down at the bottom, it says, when you have located the field, field agent, approach them and ask, excuse me, were you looking for this and offer the object with both hands? Um, and then, so it's a picture of this Jeffrey Duran guy, and I didn't know his name. I, I didn't. I, I had to find out through through other means who who this guy was. So I'm not actually part of the treasure hunt, but I I went and and looked looked up this dude's name, and it all and I got to this speech that he gave. Now there's two things about Jeffrey. Uh, he's a mathematician. He got got his degree in math at Harvard, and he wears a bow tie. <laughs> That's all you need to know about Jeffrey Durand. But one of the things that I started thinking about is this could be perverted. This entire hunt could be perverted into a dreadful advertising mechanism, shilling people, getting them jobs. I don't know. But the thing about it is it wouldn't be all that dreadful, now would it? I mean, advertising hasn't evolved in 400 years, let's say. It's been this. I mean, if you could write it down on a piece of paper and ma- and, and publish it. So let's say, I don't know. Let's say two hundred years. If you could write something down or draw a picture of of a product and 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 mass produce it in the form of print, then you had the same stupid crap then that you got now. At least this would be different as an advertising mech. But and and I'm not saying that that's what it is. But I wouldn't be all that upset if it turned out that throughout the hunt. Products, services, and people are shilled to the hunters. And to tell you the truth, like I said, I don't have all that much of a problem with it. So anyway, that's, that's that part. So uh, the other two parts, where's my guy? Where's my guy? Hold on. Agent two is done in the same style. It's a picture of an Asian gentleman. Field agent number two required item, burning chrome. Okay, okay. Uh, and then agent three is done in the same style, uh, picture of a dude. And this field agent number three required item, ornament uh, ornament of Ab Now, both of these are titles of books according to, and we get back to my dude here. Uh, yeah. So at Z E R O S K I L L S at zero skills tweets out agent one located Jeffrey Durand, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Durand. I've been instructed to only receive the book at a specific place and time. This will be on May the 11th at the cafe, Terrasse Mons Sartu, France between 12 PM and 1 PM local time. And I am awfully sorry that I butchered both of those names in a row, but I am not French. Um, Anyway, so he, he's got a screenshot, um, and a, again, the, the items mentioned in English are both books. I can only assume that the item mentioned that I think is in kanji is also probably the name of the book. I would be looking to uh, a Japanese Nightingale or something like that. In either event, the hunt is on. This uh, clue has not been solved yet, as like the fourth, uh, the fourth key was solved in like five hours. Something like that. Like uh, Easter Sunday wasn't even over, and the thing was done, and it was supposedly one of the harder ones. This is much more diabolical because this is. It it would appear that this is going to happen in meat space. So, as usual, this is. These are exciting times to be alive. People, cherish it. Cherish these times. <laughs> A terrible joke corner brought to you by racist bad joke cat. What do you call a big Irish spider? A patty long legs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's
0: that's racist. All right, boys and girls, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, hope your Monday is not a moan day. Uh, and, you know, wish you all the best to the treasure hunters out there. Uh, got nothing but respect. I forgot to shill uh, Marty Bent and Matt O'Dell's group. And I don't know, I I can't remember the name right now. But if you go get into Marty Bent's feed or Matt O'Dell's feed and ask him for, you know, directions, you know, tweet at them, and say, how do I get in your group? They are actively uh their group is actively looking for members for Satoshi's treasure as well. So um uh you know, get in that group. Remember, uh, remember our friends, uh, uh what was it? His his Reddit group. Uh where is it? Reddit.com forward slash R forward slash Hunters for Satoshi, um, if you are wanting to get into the hunt and you want to be part of a team or you want to put together a team yourself, uh, give it a shot, man. Uh, that's what this community is, is, you know, one of the strengths of this community is uh, we no longer rely on any gate, gatekeepers to transmit our message into the wild. Uh, so use that, use that, use that, use that copiously, copiously. There are no gatekeepers anymore. They, there are gatekeepers. And the sad thing about the gatekeepers that are still alive and not you know buried six foot under or in their death throes is that they still think that they're important. And I think that that's the saddest part of this whole thing. They're not. You are, but they're not. We'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and...